It's on Top 10 Thursdays, and I'm your host, John Otney. Colin Westman. Matt Carstens. Sean Lemmy is not here tonight. Uh, he's presumed dead. <laughs> We're uh, taking a trip down memory lane uh, because now that it is 2013, that marks the 10th anniversary of our beloved band, The Defenestrators' debut album. Who are The Defenestrators? We are the Defenestrators. The Defenestrators were our teenage band that featured myself, Colin, Nancy. I sang and played guitar. Nancy played drums. Colin played bass. We all wrote songs, and it was a magical time for everyone, I think. <laughs> Especially the uh, revolving door of uh, fourth band members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we released about give or take nine albums, lots of shows, lots of guitarists. Lots of memories. So we're just going to go back to the beginning and kind of just talk about all our favorite experiences and like how they shaped us as like men and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Physically and mentally. Spiritually, emotionally. Financially. Um, so <laughs> so where, where did the Defenestrators begin? Like how, what was the seedling? Like, tell me about it, guys, because... Starts with you. Well, I don't know how deep into the past we want to go. I mean, it, of course, to your birth. Nancy, back to my birth. All right. <laughs> uh, I'll skip ahead a little bit. Maybe to, I don't know, I must have been 12 or 13 when I first, uh, first got my first bass for my birthday. Um, and... I think at that time, I knew my friend Mike Kristolinski was, I think he had started playing guitar at that point. And Nancy, of course, was always known around around school for being the the drummer in the, in the school's jazz band and uh, the regular band in junior high. He, I mean, Nancy, <laughs> for a long time, was just so far ahead of us in terms of musicianship, but... I think at one part, at one point, me and Mike got together and we started just like jamming on, I think it was Red Hot Chili Peppers songs. And at a certain point, we figured, hey, maybe we should start playing with uh, Matt Karstens. Let's see what that would be like. And uh, we christened ourselves the Dancing Spleens. Mike came up with that name. <laughs> I think knowing that that sort of name would spring from his mind says about all you need to know about Mike Krzyzewski. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we started practicing at Nancy's house um, a couple times. I don't know. We didn't, we didn't really know what we were doing at the time. I mean, I remember there was one practice where we were coming up with a song, and Mike like came up with these chords. I had no idea what the fuck he was playing. I just like sort of played some notes <laughs> on my bass, 
And I remember at one point, Nancy's like, you know, are you guys, like, in tune with each other? Are you, like, playing the same notes? And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Sounds good. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I just totally remember that. Like, like, <laughs> like, are you playing the same chords? Like, is the bass line going along, you know? Like, and you guys are like, uh, what do you mean? You <laughs> <laughs> really didn't know what we were doing. And I mean, you had experience playing piano, too. You could read music. You're like an actual musician. We were just, we were just I don't know, trying to have fun. I don't know. It didn't matter. Yeah. We are just, it was just the spirit of the thing, trying to get into music. Colin, I got a question for you. I'm always curious about bassists and why they choose bass. Why did you choose bass? Like, did you tell your parents, I want a bass for my birthday, and they gave it to you? Or was it just like a random gift? Or like, what led to bass? No, I, I chose bass, I think, <laughs> just because Mike played guitar and our other friend Matt Hanley played guitar, and we knew Matt played drums, and I guess there was always sort of this plan to maybe start a band at some point, and so we figured, well, I guess we'll need a bass player, maybe, maybe. and so I thought maybe I could play bass, which, uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess that was basically the reason. It's funny how how things like that happen. Like I just remember thinking like, oh yeah, drums are cool. Like when musicians pick instruments, they're like eight years old. You know? Mm -hmm. Like every classically classically trained you know, orchestra player chose their instrument as an idiot seven year old. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> and this just happens to be Something they pursue, you know, thing that yeah. is dictating their entire life's yeah. trajectory is <laughs> this one offhand decision there as a kid. Yeah, because I mean, unless you stick with it from that age, you're not going to be good. You know what I mean? Like in college yeah. or whatever, if you want to pursue it. So it's it's this decision you get when you go to to play in fifth grade band. <laughs> I always thought that was kind of funny. And I mean, I I think I had. I had a guitar that I I got somewhere from like a family friend and I'd played it a bit and it I don't know it just didn't <laughs> it just didn't I didn't really connect with guitar when I first started playing and this was even before I I played a bass ever but when I got that bass I don't know I, it worked it it felt right just playing it and then I started taking bass lessons and my guitar teacher was like oh you you would make a good bass player. You got long, gangly fingers to go up and down the neck. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. Did you guys ever have any idea of like what you're going to do about vocals when you're in this three-piece, you know, three lineup? Three and a half piece. Three and a half piece, sometimes Matt Hanley. Yeah, he would kind of sit in on sessions. <laughs> Literally, just sit. <laughs> Did you guys just jam? How many songs did you have? I mean, we had that one song that was like... What was that called? I don't know. It was an instrumental. And I think we jammed to a couple Beatles songs like Day Tripper. Come Together, I think, too. I mean, I think Nancy had the same experience with Day Tripper, where that was like the first like riff that we like oh, figured yeah. out. 
Yeah, I just remember sitting in my bedroom over and over and playing that riff on my bass. It just seemed like the coolest thing ever. Like playing the same thing as the Beatles. Yeah. It, it was funny because around this time is when my cousin gave me his old Squire electric guitar, and and so I we, we, the thing I love about these stories is we all learn to play guitar kind of uh, around each other and help each other out with stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to play guitar. Yeah. It starts a band. That's yeah. the sexiest instrument. Yeah. But. But so, yeah, I remember, like, sitting in my room playing Date for, like, a million times. And I remember my mom saying, like, are you ever going to learn, like, another song? <laughs> this is all I need. Yeah. Don't you understand? But the Dancing Spleens never played a show. No. we. The closest thing we ever played to a show was one of Nancy's birthday parties. We, I think we played in front of a couple of our friends. I think John was there. I've recorded it. I have it on DVD. Oh, nice. <laughs> that needs to go on the internet. Uh, uh, I still don't know how to take like a DVD and p- turn it into the internet. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but someday, yeah, I would definitely will. Uh, so, I mean, Mike wasn't in the band forever. What, what happened with Mike? I think it just dissolved. Just lost interest? Yeah. That kind of thing happened a lot with this band. We just played Day Tripper enough. It just kind of fizzled out. Um, Even though we had that number one hit, Go Michael Go. Go Michael, Go Michael, Go. It's kind of like Go Ninja. Go Ninja. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that song really negative of Mike? Because when he explained it on the DVD I have... He's like, this song's about like how everyone's always telling me to like shut up and go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. I, I, thought, it was was some, I, I thought it was more some pretty dark places. Mm. Well, I, I thought it was more like you know his dad cheering him on during a soccer game. Russian dad. Yeah, he goes, go, go Michael, pass the ball. Soccer <laughs> <laughs> anthem. I like it. Uh-huh. All right. How long were the Dancing Spoons together hmm. before they became the Defenestrators? Uh, a couple oh, like, months. Yeah, a couple months. I mean, it kind of blurs into each other. All right. And then I came in at some point. I don't even remember how. Well, I remember the impetus for the Defenestrators was... It happened when we were, you know, we had our little TV show thing that we filmed every week, uh, Afro Daddies. And at one point, me and Nancy decided to record a theme song for Afrodaddies, which would uh, later become the lead-off track of our first album. And I guess that was kind of the... Yeah, that was the, really the first time that the Defenestrators sort of got going, I suppose. So they got on a train and went as fast as they can. And then they started a show. Yeah! So then that takes us to our first album, I guess. Yeah. So after we recorded the Aphrodite's theme song, we kind of just started recording more songs. They were usually really short little ditties, like a minute to a minute and a half long. And uh, we never really had a set thing with who would (laughs) play what instrument. 
there was a lot of keyboard drums in those days that we put on our songs. <laughs> Wastebasket. Play a little guitar. Wastebasket. You know, whatever. It was just... This is whatever we could we could put on put on our computer. We were we were recording in Sound Recorder, which on like Windows two thousand. Windows two thousand, it was the worst quality. This is like some deep lo-fi shit going on here. It's lots of fuzz in the backgrounds of the recordings. Just I don't know. I don't know why anyone would want to listen to this music, but <laughs> it was more just something that we had fun doing. Um, I mean, every every week wasn't it was learning something new about you know, especially like guitar. Like I remember coming in after I just learned how to play bar chords, mm-hmm. and like you know, we'd always played like open chords. You know, you learn and you look at the chart and you play open chords and. I always wondered how do they play chords like up further on the neck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember coming in playing like a A, like a A bar chord, and Colm's like, "Whoa, that's like a real chord." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's funny. At the starting of this album, I didn't know how to play guitar, and by the end of this album, I'm playing guitar like yeah. not well, but it's just the fact that yeah. like, oh, I gotta pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I remember John started singing a couple songs on the album because uh, I don't know he was really like the only guy we knew that wanted to <laughs> that would subject himself <laughs> to singing <laughs> on top of this music because uh, he was in choir. Yeah, he could sing <laughs> by accident. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was like my last elective. <laughs> yeah, I ended up doing that. And then you guys were like, yeah, you, got, you should play guitar. Pretty cool. And I was like, I don't know. And then I saw the movie The Buddy Holly Story with Gary Busey. And I was like, all right, this has got to happen now. <laughs> so the first songs I played were Buddy Holly songs. I really only knew like three chords going into this. G, E minor, and A. That was my bread and butter. Couldn't put your uh, finger down for the other, for the E major. Well, D, D maybe. <laughs> F, out of the question. <laughs> those are just like it's like well, I don't need anything else this is pretty good this is all you need and you can see that at the end of the, that first album which it's weird how like, the starting and all the joke songs and then they start like it slowly turns into like real songs near the end of the album mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yet we kept we kept it all all 16 tracks <laughs> experimental a lot, of, a lot of good stuff going on there and not long after we recorded that first album, we were playing our first show. Ooh, I forgot to mention, by the end of that album, we had a fourth member. No one on the road. Oh, Jake yeah. Jake Wallaconis. How did that, how did that come to, to be? I have no idea. I think he was probably just, like, at Colin's house, like, when we were doing it, and so he just, like, was in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, we didn't really think these things through. You're like, well, I guess you play. Well, guess you're in our band now. Whoa. Well, technically, Sean was even in the band at this point because he's like singing back of vocals on some of these. <laughs> Where you all love whoop ass. That's right. Oh, really? <laughs> he was there, though. <laughs> he was like he's... talking on our songs. He, he but, like, but, but some of these songs were, it's, you know, the first album is almost kind of a soundtrack to Afro Daddies. You know. Yeah, some of them are related to Aphrodite's. Yeah. Feature some of the characters that appeared on Aphrodite's. 
Fudgy Nelson, Johnny Krakatoa. Yeah. This is going to be bizarre for anyone that doesn't know that. Sergeant Whoopass. If you know what it is, I'm shocked. <laughs> but yeah, and we got Jake in. And I remember uh, our first show, I want to say it was like near to the, like the last day of, would it have been 7th grade or 8th grade? I think it was 8th grade because I remember the portal. This was the same day that Jake got impaled in the oh, face yeah. with a cane. Basically, yeah, Matt Hanley threw a, a <laughs> bottle, a soda bottle at his face and his braces went in, into his gums. My glass of blood. Mm-hmm. God, one former defenestrator yeah. injuring another. <laughs> it's probably on purpose. Maybe. Vicious attack. You destroyed what I had. <laughs> I wanted to be the guy that stood around and maybe played. And so we're like, oh man, Jake's not going to make it. And I was kind of like, meh. <laughs> so we were <laughs> figure <laughs> But he did make it, didn't he? He did make it. He wore a bandana over his face because there's so much blood. <laughs> I played in Kristen's garage, and I used like an acoustic guitar that wasn't mine. <laughs> that didn't sound that good. And it was weird with that show is like it was the first time like we caught it play with you on drums like in that in the Defenestrators. Yeah, it's it so we haven't like done this before. Is this gonna we work? We didn't even practice before doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we practiced a little bit before we actually started the show, but yeah. And we put it. We played. We played the Mighty Clock Tower. Yeah. I don't need any more. Um, I assume we played No One on the Run because I remember playing harmonica, which I wasn't yeah. very good at. But you know, fucking easy to pretend to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. We should probably also bring up oh, I that get it. we opened for uh, Nancy's other band, which was always like, oh man, he's in two bands. Like, which one? Which one is he really devoted to? A child of both worlds. At that point, I was pretty <laughs> devoted to the Grease Buckets because I would imagine we so. knew what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, you guys were like a real band. <laughs> You'll like play, and you'd probably practiced with drums before, not keyboard drums. Oh yeah. Waste basket, uh, garbage can. <laughs> Kristen like knew how to play guitar and yeah. I also remember really hitting it off with Nick Payne at that uh, at that party, party, foreshadowing. <laughs> like if they made a Defenestrators movie, there's a perfect part for him. <laughs> Just the fact that I ran into him at a show. He's like, "This is okay." <laughs> <laughs> That was about the Greek spuck. It's like he wasn't like, eh, he wasn't that into it. Which is funny because he would end up joining. I didn't even know he played guitar. He's a man of mystery. That was our first show. I was pretty, I was pretty pumped about it and happy with the results. You guys feel pretty good about that first show? I feel like I did. It was, uh, yeah, we were, we were on a high note. So we, went, we just went right into our next album. <laughs> did it, was it right after? No, I want to assume it's like the day after. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's like, like a month. Like, it was like that summer, I think. Yeah. And Which was the summer? I feel like that was the summer that we really bonded, the three of us. 
because Sean was like on a never ending <laughs> family road trip through America. <laughs> it, I mean, it wasn't the whole summer, but it, he was gone like three weeks or something. It was a pretty long road trip. Yeah, back then, so that was like. Out. That's like a million years in kid years. Yeah, that's like half a summer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just hanging out all the time, recording this album, drinking Tropical Sprite Remix. Is that this summer? I think very so. Well that's that's right, how it is in my mind. Spicy or nacho Doritos? Spicy or nacho Doritos. God, that was a hell of a summer. <laughs> it's like the greatest one ever. And we, and something to say was like more like an album, yeah. like real songs. I mean, they're like che- super cheesy, especially well, pretty much all of them. <laughs> Moon Man, Regions of Mine. That was a, like psychedelic one. I was all about the feeling, which was this like piano driven. I don't even know what, like how you classify that song. Did I write that song? Yeah, I sang it and Colin played guitar. It's super dramatic. Yeah, it was. Uh, dark piano rock. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Dark piano. So what was our process? Like, you'd write a song, and then we would just, like, play it, like, immediately, and, rec- like, that was, and record it? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> we didn't, like, rehearse a lot, I don't think. I feel like sometimes we wouldn't even get through the whole song, and we'd just, oh, let's record. Because I feel like there's some songs that we're playing on the recording, and it's like, we don't know how it ends when we... <laughs> <laughs> and how did the whole Colin explain you were the engineer on these albums <laughs> okay. how did the how did the sound recorder work with like you had to preset like how long you thought the song was gonna be right yeah yeah that sounds about right so I basically had to record just a bunch of blank space on the on the file so that it would facilitate however long we wanted the recording to be. So, you know, in some instances, we have these songs that kind of end, even though we have, like, 40 seconds left on the, the file, so we just, like, use it up with, like, this stupid jam thing that we got going on. Oh, that's the best on Orange Skies and Pink Clouds. There's like all yeah. this extra space and then just keeps going. Puff the Magic <laughs> Rapist. <laughs> a little bonus track at the end of the album, I believe. Oh, yeah. Where Nancy sings Puff the Magic Dragon, but takes it in a darker direction. We're, that album was pretty dark. It had it's the criminal. Dark. Yeah. Which I still, like, to this day, like, I feel like is, like, an all right song in terms of, like, just the chords, like, the chords and the melody, but, like, the lyrics are really stupid, and you're good at sound recorder. Yeah, but they're, like, kind of stupid in, like, a fun kind of way. Like, that's the one that has, like, eating sticks of butter lying in the gutter. Yeah. But it's, like, Hell Sweet's, like, doom, 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 doom. That was around the time when I was, like, actually learning how to come up with bass lines <laughs> so that was fun well the bass had to be like the lead guitar back then you know it was like the violent femmes you know like on the criminal like it's hell sweet it's like 
That's like the best part of that song. Except there's like hella sweet keyboard drum fill. It's like, yeah, let's, let's see you do that live. No way, keyboard drums, you know. It's like Neil Pert shit. Basically. If he had like five arms. But we dabble with acoustic stuff too. Stage just never lasts. Newman's Bait Shop, one of Nancy's least favorite songs. Because he wasn't <laughs> on it. I feel like we always figured that was the reason. In his just... defense, it is pretty bad, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. I was a visionary. <laughs> I remember how we recorded that. Oh, God. Were you, what were you playing on that song? I was, was I playing guitar, a guitar, or was I playing a ukulele, like a, something else? I guess we're... Uh... I think we might have both been playing guitar. Okay, we're, yeah, but, but no, that's right. We're both playing guitar. I was playing like this tiny guitar that Nancy brought over. Yeah, but because it had like harmonica at the beginning, I had, and, you know, we only had the one take. I had to put harmonica in my mouth and then turn to the side, spit it out to the floor, <laughs> and then start singing all in one take. <laughs> it would have been so great for the recording year. Tonk. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I guess we would really publish like, eh, let's go with it, because then you'd have to preset everything all over again. Yeah, yeah we were all about one take. <laughs> That's and you know, success it is what it is. And then right after, not long after we finished that album, we had our second show, which was Nancy's in your backyard. I think it might have been in the middle of while we were recording it. That's how I remember it. Oh, interesting, interesting. We we had a few songs, but we hadn't finished the whole thing, I don't think. And it was open for the Grease Buckets again. Jake had been kicked out of the band for no reason. Yeah, not, not like kicked out, kicked out, like passively, aggressively kicked out. Yeah, he, like just kinda... he just wasn't invited to your house that particular day. Or yeah. <laughs> exactly. But then he came to the show. I remember there was jokes about him like being our DJ, <laughs> and like I feel like part of him was like, "Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll think about it." Yeah, and then, and then I feel like when we play, he's like, "What do you want me to do?" <laughs> and we did practice with him on like drums for like a, a little bit beforehand, before we played, because we're thinking of like, "Oh man, I don't know if we can do it with just the, us, you know, the three piece like this live." <laughs> I was insecure. Played drums, but then Nancy's just like, "Fuck it, I'll just play drums on every song." And what did we play? We played. We opened with "Regions of Mind" or no, "Moon Man." I think we played "Moon Man" and "Regions of Mind." And then we played "Twist and Shout." Yeah, Colin sang, and I never learned the whole song. Because <laughs> 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 There's that part that's like dun 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 dun. Yeah. Dun. It's like the instrumental break. I never learned all the right notes, so they're all wrong. <laughs> so does he just not play that part? I think I tried to learn it live. Like maybe. I figured this out on the spot. I remember feeling like really down on that version of Twisted Shout that we played. I feel like we finished that song and I was like, oh god, that was terrible. I this... feel awful about myself right now. <laughs> And this is like during the era where we're like, oh, Moon Man, yeah, it's like our best song ever. Yeah. So it's like, how bad was it? Maybe it was great. I just, feel, I just remember feeling really down after that show. I don't know why. 
it just it just it wasn't working. Like you disappointed Max Mazer. Yeah, that's right. All our f- devoted fans that showed up, like Max Mazer. Who is he with? I want to say he's by himself. No, no way. He was with one person, I think. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, did we only play those three songs? Because I feel like we yeah. didn't play a whole set. Because we're like, mm, this is good. Yeah, yeah, probably. And then I left with Jake before the grease buckets went on. Mm-hmm. How, how'd that set go? It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it was good. We played, uh, I remember playing, uh, what did it go? Didn't you play Ballad of John and Yoko? Probably. Yeah, I remember that. You also played uh, Refugee. Yeah, Refugee. Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty sweet. Because sweet backup vocals. Yeah. We're just living in the shadow. Basically. And then how how much longer of a break did we take before uh, jumping into the third album? That's a good question. How yeah, long was probably that? was not that long. I feel like it was maybe a month or two. I know we started recording the rise and fall of Scene Lem in the fall of that year. But I remember our original idea for that album was let's just do an album of all covers, which uh yeah, that's an inspired idea. <laughs> I feel like one of the one of the ideas was I feel like one of the ideas was to like just do Tommy or something. That was later, and that was an idea that we had for about a night. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being super pumped about it. Like, yeah, this is gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah, record an album, which is like fourteen-year-olds. That's what you want to hear. <laughs> That'd be the weirdest thing ever. I just remember we were playing like we're not gonna take it, and I was having like so much trouble because there's like so many different parts, and I can't remember what song it was. So that didn't work out. Anyways, and what was, was the um, so we shifted at this point from uh, well, first I want to talk a little bit about like the photo shoot for the cover of something to say <laughs> that was pretty sweet, if I remember. <laughs> what do you want to so. talk? I just remember being at Peter Kirk and like Mr. Burden coming out, the principal, and he was not about us there. <laughs> we're rebels, we're rock- yeah. rockers. Didn't Paul find something in the garbage there or something? You found it like a bag of VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Including the Iron Giant. God, what a demolition man. Most of them were like, oh, fuck that when you put it in the VCR, but Iron Giant still worked. It was like taped off of TV. <laughs> the definitive version. But yeah, the album cover was outside a dumpster. I'm on top of the dumpster. And we're all like posed, and you guys are front, and we all have hats. I just remember, I remember back. being so excited about like the production of the CD, like having a CD, and like bringing it to school, like a bunch of copies, and like trying to sell it, and that whole <laughs> part guys, of it. Did you guys ever actually like sell any? I sold like two. I feel like I sold one of the original ones. That's gonna be worth something someday. I just remember, like, it was exciting to have a product that you, like, worked on and you actually had it. It was physical, you know what I mean? You could show I didn't it see many me. other, like, kids our age doing that. We were, you know. Yeah. Do, do that shit ourselves. It said, like, Sean Lemmy Productions on it or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's because Sean would, like, 
do the like text and then <laughs> he'd print, you know, he'd burn the CD. Yeah. It's a shot of production. <laughs> I, mean, this, I mean, this was kind of the early days of, of home recording. It, it's, yeah. It still was kind of in its infancy. This was like 2003 or something. There really wasn't options. There was no garage band or anything. There was Microsoft Sound Recorder. <laughs> and so then we shifted the from Colin's house to recording at my house. And uh, I went out to Guitar Center and I bought this recording program for like, seemed like a million dollars. It's probably like 20 bucks. Yeah. And I just remember being so pumped about it. And we went to like Radio Shack and we bought this computer microphone for some reason I thought it was like totally legit. <laughs> was it? No, it was just a computer microphone. <laughs> but, uh, so we did that. I remember, uh, did, were we actually multi-tracking on this one? Yeah, we had, and we had drums. How did we record drums exactly? Like what was the process for laying down a song? Do we do it all live? I mean, I mean, I don't feel like there was that much multi-tracking compared to what normal bands do, but but like we added like, like a, a lot a, that was live. Yeah, and we weren't we just using that one computer microphone? Yeah, like we just put it mm-hmm. on your desk yeah. and then we kind of play <laughs> like however close to the mic that we needed to be. Uh, I haven't listened to the album in a while. I don't know how good that sounds. It's sounds pretty bad. <laughs> okay, but probably like better s- than the other ones, though. Yeah, but I feel like better. some. I feel like we did some overdubbing. I probably. Yeah, I mean, we I had the option, but I think we maybe we were kind of set in the ways of doing it live that yeah. we still did a lot of it. I think towards. The, I think towards the end we did more overdubbing. Yeah. Yeah. I want my generation. Our cover of my generation. The backup vocals were done later. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like in my memory it, that sounded pretty good. I just I was just really impressed with Colin's bass solo. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, my guitar. It, maybe I didn't play guitar. Maybe you didn't, no, I played guitar on that one. It was hella shitty. Because <laughs> that was that. This, that's when I learned to play bi- bar chords. Was like on my generation, like right before we recorded it. <laughs> And I remember, uh, I remember playing the lead, overdubbing the lead guitar on uh, uh, "Get Off of My Cloud" or whatever. Oh yeah, ding 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 ding. What else did we cover? We had "Sunshine of Your Love" uh, and Bob O'Reilly. Except that was awful. Yeah, which is like the best part of the song. What's the point? I don't. The best part of our cover is the guitar solo because all the other instruments stop. <laughs> I said it's kind of what it's like in the recording, but in ours it sounds like, okay, everybody stop, we gotta hear the guitar solo, and it's this little diggy thing. Well, they still got the synths going in the... Oh, that's true. The Who version. It just sounds kind of empty, it's just a guitar playing a little thing. Drums sound good on that one, though. Drums sound good on most of these. So this but, was, uh, this was, I mean, there are definitely... On this one, there's more hints of, you know, oh, oh, we're finally kind of figuring it out a little bit more. Yeah. Like uh, the blue, the original version of the, what was the blue song called? I'm feeling, I'm feeling down. down. The most generic title of all time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a solid track. 
Except it didn't make it on like most versions of the album. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> I don't have that on my version. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> thinking me with this. I feel like I did, but I don't think I have my version anymore. And then uh, Nick Payne first appeared. Yeah, he played on two songs. Sunshine uh, of Love and Heartbreaker Baby, which was like this epic rock. I, I felt I, I really liked that song because I, I felt like this was like I thought it was our best so far and besides John singing out of tune like once <laughs> I really enjoyed it and I wanted to play it at, at a you know like what were those things called band band pools band pools yeah and I just remember John like not wanting to play it I was I think I was embarrassed because with those band pools you'd always bring in. Uh, like one of your songs, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, this is what you you sound like." And we brought in Heartbreaker Baby. I was like embarrassed. Nick Payne's like, "You should be." <laughs> <laughs> but it's sweet. He's like got the walk towards like, wah, 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 wah. That sounds almost six minutes long. <laughs> There's a lot of experimentation on the rise and fall of Steamland. Mostly for on my part. I got really into physical graffiti on Led Zeppelin at this point. So uh, we have Quincy Rollo, all-time classic. Shittiest guitar riff, but then it's got like this hell sweet like horn chorus. Oh yeah, I'm so still about that song. Especially my like violin solo at the beginning. Oh, yeah, it's just the chorus that's like. Avant-garde jazz piece. Well, we didn't play that at our uh, at our first show. What did we play at our first show from this? We played King of Cards. Probably the worst yeah. song we ever played live. I feel like Nick didn't even learn how to play it. <laughs> it seems so bizarre. Like <laughs> we got this good guitar then? player. We don't even have him play on the song. I didn't learn how to play all of Twisted Shot. We played it, and we played three. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> that's like so, that's so, that's uh, such a that's God. That just perfectly reminds me of our attitude back then about like school and stuff. Like, oh, you have this huge project. Oh, I'm just like not gonna do it. <laughs> 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 oh, we're gonna play this song in front of people. Oh, I, I don't need to learn it. You know, we don't need to do it well. I mean, we're we're doing it, right? Yeah, yeah that's good. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and at our first show, what else? Our first real show at Kirkland Teen Center. We also played Get Off My Cloud. But I sang it. For some yeah. I, I think sang you couldn't remember the lyrics. I was always having trouble with lyrics. I still have trouble with lyrics. So yeah, I just played, I just played Rhythm. I don't know what else. We, we just played My Generation. Nick didn't really... Well, I guess he learned how to play. I mean, how hard is it to play? It's fucking two chords, but... <laughs> I think we, we must have uh, started to integrate some newer material, right? Right? I don't know. We definitely played I'm Feeling Down. Yeah, we played that. How long were those sets? Well, they were like 20 minutes to half an hour, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible at that point we started playing all in a craze. That's a big deal. Yeah, I feel like that was like the breakthrough song of the Nick Payne era. Like it felt like a real song. 
It had a you know it had a verse, it had a chorus, a bridge, and a pretty good guitar solo by Nick. It's like my favorite Defenestrator song. So take take me through your guys's. Um, feelings about playing like a real show at the teen center i think i'd already done that by that point well it wasn't my actually me and colin's first actually because we played with the grease buckets once on halloween oh yeah except i sang a couple songs and i held a piece of paper with the lyrics on it <laughs> i think that was the C- cky song and i still messed up i blitz creek bob Ugh, I don't like do your body. But after that show, I was like, yeah, that's good. That's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> you did go to see some stupid like band with like 13 year olds and this made the lead singer standing there looking at a piece of paper. I mean, just like getting through it was kind of electrifying. You'd come out of that performance <laughs> feeling this buzz like we did that. We played a whole set. We got through the songs. How about that? You know? Yeah. It didn't matter that we weren't that good. It was just exciting to be doing yeah. something so creative, you know, with an audience. So our first show was the Defenestrators. I mean, I felt pretty good about it. Just pumped. I don't think I was ever really yeah. nervous for shows. I was always really excited. I never got like you know, fear, sweat, or yeah. something. You know. <laughs> so that was great. There was, I was nothing super like, pumped. There's nothing like playing those shows. Especially early on. Yeah. And I think, I believe after that first show, was it the next day that we played the Battle of the Bands? Yes. I think it was something like that. Uh, Our first gig was on a Friday, and our Junior High's Battle of the Bands was on a Saturday. So, you know, we're going up against bands full of people that we knew from from school and stuff. What other bands were there? There was uh, Better Than Ted. Who was in that? Mackenzie Gregg and stuff. Oh, nice. Danielle Knight. <laughs> um, <laughs> they like Christian rock or something? I don't think okay. so. <laughs> no. um, some three-piece instrumental group that didn't go to our school. <laughs> <laughs> of course, oh, there's Menahuni. Menahuni. Was this in high school? This is junior high. This is like ninth grade. I'd say ninth grade now. What what band was Kristen playing in from the Grease Buckets? What was she? Uh, yeah, this was, was yeah, this was ninth grade. So she was in Menahoon. Was she in Menahoon? No, she, oh, she was. She wasn't in a band at that point. <laughs> she wasn't in Daft like show. Jack. Or, I don't think that was until. Oh, actually, that might have been ninth grade. I'm pretty sure she played at that show. I just don't know in what band. I feel like so Death ha- Like Jack was high school, but maybe not. So then the Grease Buckets were broken up at that point. Well, the, the Grease bucket, Buckets broke up because um, Julia went to high school. Uh-uh. And I remember being pumped, like, oh, we should play, like, the high school talent show. Like, we'll be awesome. Because we had such great success, you know, playing the junior high one. And, and everyone was all about us. But for some reason, I guess Julia was, like, embarrassed or Kristen was embarrassed. And so it just kind of dissolved. Like I don't oh, know. Embarrassment. <laughs> like yeah, I feel, I feel like you guys just didn't practice at all for a while. Yeah, so like we just never of... saw Julie anymore, and you know we just kind of and then and then you guys siphoned off Nick from. <laughs> yeah, we're like, dude, we got to We got to jump in there and grab this Nick guy before someone else gets a hold of him. Yeah. 
because uh, yeah, I mean, when we played with them on those two songs on Rise and Fall, I seen Lamb. It worked. It, it felt like a real band. Yeah, it was more Nick's style of music too. As yeah. far as playing like classic rock and stuff, he mm-hmm. would have been down to play Day Tripper like twenty times. Had we decided, <laughs> yeah, he was he was a big Beatles fan. Yeah, it just worked, and he was the best guitarist I think I knew at that point. So yeah, sweet. And so we played the Battle of the Bands, and I'm sure everyone kind of sucked, but we came out <laughs> we on top. We sucked the least. We sucked the least. Is that when we we played? Um, no, that was the talent show that we played. We played Jet. I don't know sure. if we played Jet the night before. How many how many songs did we ha- get to play? Mm, well, yeah. I think we we only got a like ten minutes set, yeah. so it was probably about three or four songs. Well, I do remember we played Jet and that we played... Um, Did we play Cold Heart Bitch? End. No, we played <laughs> played The End by The Beatles. Oh, that's right. We must have played All in a Craze. Because we would play. We could have just won it with All in a Craze. That, that song was the shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was like everybody's 2004. Yeah. Summer, summer Jam 2004. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Doom, doom, doom. So, ha- where where did the recording at the so recording at the K tub came after the dance? I th- oh god, this this timeline's getting really confusing. Well, because well, we played the dance. That's after we learned. Um, the talent show comes in between here between the dance. It must which, come at it comes after the battle of the bands. Yeah, then. yeah, Maybe a couple months later. Because I feel like the the Battle of the Bands was like late, was like winter, mm-hmm. and then spring, like March or April, would have been the talent show where we played Stairway. Oh, man. How many just, bands can say they've done that? <laughs> A lot, probably. <laughs> Most. But I just remember, like, it was the first thing we tried to tackle that was pretty complicated. You know, it had a whole bunch of different parts. You know, I was playing keyboard and then drums, and 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 Nick had to pretty you know practice that. His you know he had probably most of the responsibility. You know, John had to remember all these lyrics, and I was freaking out. I did not <laughs> want to do it. I was so against it. I remember at one point us like practicing it at a practice, and we played it once, and then I left. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do this again. I don't like. This. John was really into it. I was still trying to get out of it because I was like, I can't. You're just really into this. leaving when you're not a best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, screw you guys, I'm going home. It's that <laughs> mindset. I was all about that. I was just so proud of us that when we finally like got it down, I was just, I was like, it, it wasn't that bad, yeah. I mean, we played it pretty well. I mean, Nick, I just remember being like, wow, Nick's really good. He had the yeah. sweet, he had double guitar. Yeah, double guitar. That's what even made it even more legit. Oh my! And I wore our official band T-shirt at that show. <laughs> nice. Which was just the Defenestrators in like aerial black font, <laughs> white font. <laughs> sweet. It was, well, it was white, yeah, against a black shirt. And uh, some people liked it. I remember it made Mackenzie Gregg cry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she gave me a hug afterwards. Yeah. Super emotional. Even though, like, I was still singing in like a lot a lower register. Like, I sing the last half of the song higher, but I'm sure early on it's like, "There's a lady." 
let it. Like it by Jim Morrison range. <laughs> I wasn't confident enough to sing it higher. I don't know how good that sounded. And Nancy's on the flute keyboards. And then I missed my this sweet intro. It's because we didn't have, like, the engineers at that show were super lazy. Yeah. And so we didn't have any monitoring. We work at the teen center, what do you expect? Well, yeah, but usually for shows we had pretty good monitoring, like Jeremy would be doing it or, you know, someone they actually knew what they were doing. But we didn't have any monitors, so I couldn't, like, hear anything. So I was just trying to concentrate, like, super hard, and then <laughs> I just missed it. Yeah. I remember, it, like, everyone being super mad at me. I was pretty pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear anything. Still, I mean, I felt pretty good about it. I was like, oh, well, we're, we're going to at least get, like, you know, for you know, second or third place, because like I was all high off of the fact that we'd won the uh, battle of the bands. Yeah. Nothing happened. Did we not we even place? By, uh, no, we got beat up by some dancers, a singer, and a golem impressionist. <laughs> <laughs> all three of those people or th- you know, those groups were deemed more talented than we were. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty devastating since I was a defending champion of that talent show. <laughs> but right. somehow we still got to play the junior high school dance. Was that because we won the Battle of the Bands? I think so. I think that was it. So these must have all been like kind of close together. Yeah, it was all kind of towards the end of the school year. And that school dance is the first school dance I'd ever been to. Yeah, me too. I remember Yeah by Usher was really big back then. It was freaking huge. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the dance, the song there was. Super I feel like that whole dance was like just Usher and like Lil John, like, and then like all their other songs. Yeah, it was all hip hop. And I, I remember just, they, they, they only played one rock song and it was I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Yeah, nice. It's like even then I was so out of touch with, with everyone else my age. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, maybe not, maybe just at that school dance, but I feel like music was, was worse. Maybe it wasn't worse. No, it's was just as good. Yeah, it's probably about the same. It's just like back then, we weren't as good as finding <laughs> other contemporary bands that were good. We just had mainstream MTV2 bands that we liked. Jet. Jet. We played Cold Hard Bitch. I remember being like, we are so badass. I was super afraid because Remy's mom was a chaperone. For some <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even go to the school. I don't know how that worked out. Was well, she was just there to make sure we were there. Yeah, Remy's oh, yeah. sister went to the school. And I was like, oh, we're going to say bitch. We're going to get suspended. I just remember, <laughs> nothing happened, did it? Maybe they just nothing, no, nothing happened. <laughs> I mean, maybe they just couldn't like hear it under the muffled microphone or something. Yeah, I doubt the sound setup was that great. <laughs> I remember like talking over the DJs, like, okay, we'll play our songs, you do your thing, and then we'll take a break in the middle to play Stairway. <laughs> like, we didn't just play our whole set, we played most of our set, and then the DJ played for a little bit, and it stopped it, and then everyone had to listen to us play Stairway, <laughs> and slow danced to it, which is a really weird experience, but I really enjoyed that, watching everyone slow dance, that's playing Stairway, and I feel like we totally nailed it. Yeah. that show we played it three times like a total of three times live and that one was the best mm-hmm. even though like bef- like 
I remember as you like running around your drum set, like before you had to play drums. Because I'm not sure if you had your keyboard or if it was working. I just remember like people were like, "Oh, look, there's a drummer guy. I'm gonna go over and mess with him." <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't remember this? You're like uh. just running around your drum set and stuff. Because <laughs> people were like dicking around. <laughs> it was pretty great. Oh, like people were messing with me, so I was trying to get them yeah, off. Yeah, you know, like probably like your friends or something. I don't know. Yeah, probably I'm like, not, like getting off, just like kind of playing around. Yeah. <sighs> I think. Yeah, I think we didn't have the keyboard for that one, so it was all on Colin and Nick Payne. It's a lot of pressure. Stairway. Yeah. Ugh. But no, we did it. It was amazing. And I see you came home with that Lance Bass. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Lance Bass's face on Legolas? Yeah. Or was it, yeah. Like a cardboard cutout? <laughs> I, I wanted the one that was like Lance Bass on President Bush. <laughs> but someone else got that. So it'd just be Lance Bass in a suit? Yeah. That one was more <laughs> legit. Now you got the Legolas on, and that was in your room for a long time. Which was the ultimate band practice space. Oh, yeah, it was. It was awesome. Sweet Chad Michael Murray posters everywhere. <laughs> nice big picture of Bill Ganong. <laughs> Your drums are junior high school janitor. <laughs> He's presumed dead. <laughs> it was all going great. Yep. And then or it got so even more great. Yeah, we went from that last gig... Uh, right into the summer where I remember we recorded uh, the All in a Craze EP at Kirkland Teen Center. Nice one. With Jeremy. Yeah, that was... I, he's, our, he's our Brian Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> that just... I just remember, like, that was my first time in a real studio with a real board and soundproof rooms and there's a piano in there and I just remember feeling so legit like I thought you'd done it before oh I had <laughs> <laughs> forgot but still it's still, still cool. I was excited I think the that basement. that was the first I, I think I was more excited for that one because I had my real drums like that was after I got my 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 good drums because I had my my first kit for a long time and it was like the worst piece of crap ever <laughs> but I mean Jeremy worked his magic it still sounds okay on, on the Grease Buckets demo yeah and that was four songs right six no oh Z, yeah the, the Grease Buckets was four yeah. see ours was six yeah I, I remember there was a five song limit but Jeremy was all about us so he let us do one more <laughs> and, and I believe we did that like in one take right what um, the Led Zeppelin song Over oh. the Hills and Far Away Yeah, That sounds about right I remember like he's like alright we got one like we got time for one more if you do it like live you know and I yeah. I, I think we did it uh, the instruments live and then John did the vocals mm-hmm. sounds right cause I mean the, I feel like the instruments on that song are a little sloppy but yeah. it, it worked it was yeah. like, Solid cover. Yeah. Not bad, no. <laughs> yeah, I remember Nick always had trouble with the guitar solo, and you can kind of hear it there, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's freaking really hard guitar solo. Yeah. I mean, he does a pretty <laughs> good job. I still have trouble, like, 
it was just like this year that I like started to get the hang of playing that song. Yeah. I just remember Jeremy had his head in the control room. He, he was had his head down on the board while we played the the first part, and then we went dun dun, and he like put his fingers up with a rock and roll sign. He was like banging his head, and it was <laughs> that, that was awesome. We taught him how to live again. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun, except I do remember being pretty self-conscious about my guitar playing. I brought in, I think it was my dad's guitar. It was like an Ibanez or however you pronounce it, a hollow body. It's like purple. <laughs> it sounds so bad. I, and I feel like all my guitar parts are turned down really, really low in the mix. Jeremy doing his thing. <laughs> He's doing, he, he, it was the right decision, but I was like aware even at the time. It's like, yeah, this doesn't sound that good. And... I had no, uh, you know, opposition to him turning it down a little bit. Mm. But, you know, it was okay. Yeah. We're all learning. I was all, I was all about Wish I Were Flying, because I feel like that was perfected, like, in the studio. Yeah. Nick did this. I still don't know what he was doing. It was, like, some sort of swirling wah effect on his guitar. It was, like, our trippiest song ever. That song's great. Is that even right? Wish I Were? Wish I, wish I Was? Wish I were flying. I don't know, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Wish I we are flying. <laughs> Wish I we are flying. <laughs> that, that was another point where I was just like really impressed with Colin's bass playing. I was like, man. Yeah, that was when I was. I started to get kind of good at bass. <laughs> I can actually write bass lines. We also, I also had Hey Johnny. Which is inspired by how Nick would always address me. <laughs> hey, Jenny. And then one of my all-time, I mean, aside from All in a Craze, which I feel like is like the definitive defenestrator song. <laughs> another one of my all-time favorites, In the Hours. Like, that's one if like, we had did a reunion show right now, but we've we got to play In the Hours. Yeah. That song was another, like, pretty trippy song. It's and there's definitely like, a staple, because I feel like we played that song at basically every show we ever played after we wrote it. It may have been our most played song. Because it even made it into the, the Max era. I, I remember playing it like at one of our shows at the lab, and we were supposed to play, I mean, it was Communication Breakdown or something, I was like, I forgot the words. Yeah, I remember the words. <laughs> so we did the In the Hours Winging It version, which is still it. <laughs> I think what really, what really sold that song is we'd have the part where we like, you know, um, have like all the sweet fills and stuff. And like, like everyone had a solo. Like I feel like that was pretty creative for um, like kids like our age, you know, to be doing that kind of stuff and like mixing it up. Like how many other like fourteen-year-old kids did you see, you know, playing like classic rock like we did? Not a lot. Yeah, we we, shitty like punk kind of alternative. It was always like screamo bands. This was like the height of emo. When will we be playing gigs with some crappy death metal band? I, we just felt like outsiders every time we showed up to a gig because our music was so unlike anything else that people were playing. Yeah. I felt like we could never really get a following either. Like we always had our friends and stuff, but like no one appreciated us like we appreciated us. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't understand. We're yeah. taking it back to the basics of rock and roll, man. Yeah. Jeremy understood us. Jeremy understood. 
Now, would we have played Bluefish that summer, or was that a spring thing? Was that a spring festival? It was always like an end of the year. End of the that was in the year. spring, I think. All right, well. so after we recorded All in the Craze... Was this the summer of ninth and 10th grade? Yeah, this was the summer before 10th grade. Well, didn't Nick Payne quit in that, that fall? It was the fall, because I remember that summer we recorded the All in the Crazy P, but after that we didn't really practice at all, we didn't play any gigs, and it kind of was a matter of us not being able to get a hold of Nick Payne, who at that point had kind of become sort of skittish towards the band. You could tell he was kind of avoiding us, and he didn't really want to be there. And our, me and I mean Nick was like one of my best friends for for like a year or two, and 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 we kind of uh, he kind of like dumped me, <laughs> you know. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like his brother dying had something to do with it. Yeah. I feel like before that happened, he was really into the band. He was committed to it. But after then, he kind of changed. You know, his... yeah, he changed friends, and he just changed. I mean. Yeah, and you know, that kind of stuff happens, but yeah. uh, I, I remember having a conversation with him on AOL Instant Messenger, this must have been like September or something, when we had first started high school at Lake Washington, high school in Kirkland, and um, I remember just being like, Nick, you want to practice tomorrow? You know, all of us are free. And he was like, you know, I don't think I want to be in the band anymore. And I remember we had this really long, drawn-out conversation. Because I, I really wanted him to stay in the band, but I just, eh, I don't know. At a certain point, it was it was time for him to leave. But I guess I, guess I, I wanted him to stay in the band just because... We didn't know what the fuck to do without yeah. him in the band. We didn't know anybody else who could play guitar and was good and was also, you know, not like a metalhead screamo. <laughs> we didn't know anybody who was into the classic rock thing like we were. So I just remember sitting around uh, in Mr. Mabbitt's English class because we didn't do fucking anything in that class. It was a total <laughs> waste of time. <laughs> it was like towards the end of that period where he's just like, all right, I'm going to go on my computer. You kids can do whatever you want. <laughs> so we were just sitting there thinking, God, what do we do with this, with this band thing? And then somewhere along the way, you got the idea to, to call up your friend Max Brockman. I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, oh, this will be perfect. Yeah. I don't remember how, I mean, we went to the same church, so it must have been... Faith. <laughs> yeah, faith, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it must because he went to ICS, a different high school, and he was a year older than us, and we, I mean, we were never, like, friends. I remember he was, he went to, like, a couple Indian Guides things in sixth grade with us me and sean but besides that like i I didn't know him that well besides Mm -hmm. church and somehow i must have known he played guitar i can't remember like how i feel like mike was integral somehow wasn't he friends with max yeah that's right i remember our last gig with nick payne 
at the Teed Center. Mike was there, and he brought Max Brockman along oh, to really? that show. So maybe that's what kind of started the ball rolling. Yeah, they were tennis know. buddies, right? Yeah, that's right. Because he played on the L. Won. He played on the L Dub tennis team. Okay. So yeah, there must have been some discussion with Mike or I don't know. Talking I remember. To Max I remember the show. I remember calling him. Calling yeah. Max and. I don't know, like, I must have called his house. Talk to, <laughs> talk to Dr. Michael Brockman. <laughs> yeah, that's what you had to do back in those days. Yeah. Kids didn't all have cell phones. You had to call the parents. Yeah. <laughs> is Max there? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Brockman is Max. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember, and, and he seemed, like, totally on board. Yeah, I remember that first uh, practice we had with him. We weren't we weren't really sure how this whole thing would would play out, but I remember the moment that we were like, "This is gonna fucking work." Was uh, he knew how to play Pinball Wizard by The Who, mm-hmm. which back then we fucking worshipped The Who. <laughs> I mean, I still do, but mm-hmm. they were like our band. But the thing was. Nick Payne refused to play any Who songs. He was not about the Who. He was well, he a straight. Did my generation, but he didn't. He did it. that, but after that, he was like, "Nah, I'm not. I'm not doing any of this shit anymore." <laughs> he was. He was just a straight Zeppelin guy. He was not into the Who for some reason. But then we said, "Oh, Max is playing Who songs. This is perfect. It's gonna work." So we played that song, and then. Um, I don't know, we just kept practicing and practicing and it just worked. That was a great day because I remember the day that I heard he was in the band was the same day we practiced. It's like, oh, who's in the band? We're going to practice too. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Was there any Was there any hesitation? I mean, like, in between, was it like an audition or did we just know that, okay, he's in the... Like, I feel like we're like, we'll take anything, so mm-hmm. we're down before yeah. we... We were desperate. <laughs> Even after playing with him and everything was working out, there was that uneasiness because he, pl- he was the lead singer of another band. Yeah. Primacy effect. So there was, we're always like, ah, this probably isn't going to last forever unless we're like, just totally wow him. And, and he, loved, he loved playing with us. I think that's why he kept doing it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we were a good amount of time, just as long as Nick Payne did. Yeah. But, I mean, we were fun to Max, I think. You know what I mean? Like, he... But, like, fun and, like... This is really fulfilling or fun. Is like this is kind of like a joke thing. He's going. It, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a joke. It, I think it was a nice break for him, not having to like write songs or sing or worry about. And he could just like shred, you know. Yeah. Because like he did shred. Yeah. I mean, when he launched into those guitar solos, he was he was so sloppy, but it was kind of badass in a way. He's a great he, showman too. Yeah, and it, it, it wasn't. It, it was sloppy, but it it wasn't. It wasn't bad at all. It was good. No. You know, it was it a was good. He was a much much different guitarist than Nick was in that. Yeah, it's funny because yeah, because Nick, Nick was a guy that. He had to carefully construct guitar solos. Yeah. He didn't really improvise. Yeah. And Max was all about improvising <laughs> guitar solos. He literally, that's that's the only thing he did was improvise guitar yeah, solos. Yeah, he was a total freewheeling kind of guy <laughs> when, he, when he got up there with the guitar and everything, which and was it, cool. And it's fitting, I think it added, yeah. it added an extra layer of energy to the band. And, yeah. and it's fitting like that, that era, the only recordings we have were live recordings. Like, we never went to the studio after that. Yeah. 
And, it, and that band was all about playing live, you know. It was all about shredding and it's rocking, rocking hard. Seriously, we rocked so hard in, in that era. Yeah. It's funny <laughs> just to be to listen to that live album. I guess we could get into that. The live at the Lab. Live at the Lab. Seattle Drum Lab. Which is uh, a gig we played, I guess, would have been in the spring of that whatever year that was, our first year of high school. Probably 2005. Yeah. I mean, we had played a, a fair amount of gigs by that point, and we were a pretty well-oiled machine, I think. And uh, the lab was this... Uh, it was like a... Drum workshop. Right? Drum workshop? It's, it's called the, the Seattle Drum School. It's a, okay. it's like a music lesson. Like you you take trumpet lessons or whatever. You know, it's like a music lesson place, and they have yeah. a little little venue out back. Yeah, with like a stage and seats and everything. Yeah. So we recorded this album there, and uh, it's probably <laughs> might be my favorite Defender's Trailers album. I don't know. Yeah, I just really love that. So hard. I really love that era. I mean, our songwriting skills still weren't great they were pretty simple um but yeah we just rocked it <laughs> our songwriting skills were good enough that yeah. it matched the musicianship good for that age i'd well. say yeah yeah i mean the, the, these songs weren't bad at all or or you know what i mean they, they were just simple rock songs and that's it's all like they the needed ramones. to be really yeah like the ramones, so. yeah <laughs> I mean, we didn't need to get more complicated than that yeah, because we would just bash the shit out of them. I mean, I remember, like, when I listened to that album, I listened to your drum parts, and I'm like, holy fuck, this guy is just going off the rails. Like, <laughs> just so many fills. You would make our songs way faster than they needed to be. It was insane. And it was kind of cool. I mean, you were you were deep into Keith Moon at that point, and you were definitely channeling him oh, in yeah. his drum oh, parts. Yeah. I, I pretty much treat, yeah. I pretty much treated every song like a like a fill, <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. the whole thing. Basically, it was just one big log fill. <laughs> I have a version of our song Four Street that doesn't even make it to two minutes. It's like that intense. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you pulled it off because I think that was around the same time that, well, of course it was because you had just started high school, and you came under the the teachings of Mister. Mr. Ken Atkins, that school's band teacher, and I feel like during that time, you like really wanted to earn Mr. Atkins' respect because he was like, he was like the dude. He was, he seemed really cool. He seemed like he had his shit together. Like he knew, I mean, he, he played, knew a lot about music. Yeah, he played with Elvis, man. Yeah. So I remember you, you started practicing in a very focused sort of intense kind of way that you weren't really practicing drums in high school so i think you got a lot better around that time i remember helped in the defenestrators yeah the um just a little side note on like i, re I remember very specifically because in junior high and like I, like i was in the junior high jazz band in sixth grade and with like andy the, the metalhead you know drummer oh I mean, yeah I, there was never any competition i was always the best or whatever so I, I was never really driven but i got to l dub the first day of jazz band and big bill was there <laughs> big bill uh what was his last name mckinney will mckinney yeah mountain of a man <laughs> 
but he was a good he was a good drummer you know and i was nervous you know and and like that's kind of when i took i like i we had we were gonna audition for the number one seat in, in jazz band and i actually put like practice like every day i went home and practiced you know jazz every day you know and, and i beat him out and i was just like okay like i'm gonna need to keep practicing you know yeah and then baseball season came and he quit jazz band and <laughs> that was the, that was the end of that. No pressure. You could go back to not give it a shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good time. I remember for me, like I stopped singing Jim Morrison vocals and started like screaming like a lot. <laughs> like yeah, like it was more jet because like Max, you know, he he like totally changed the band. You know, like we became like so distorted, like. I used to keep my guitar not that distorted, but now I'd be like, well, Max is cranking that shit up. I had to crank that shit up. <laughs> so my guitar would be like just as heavy as he is, at least as much as I can I can do. And there just we had this wall of distortion, but it was awesome. And it wasn't Screamo. I remember taking um, that live album to my drum teacher, uh, my new drum teacher at the time, Timothy Tackett Brown. And I played him... Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Pinball Wizard, mm-hmm. and I just remember that that you know at the beginning it sounded so legit, and he was like, "Whoa, this is like you guys," and I was like, "Yeah, damn straight." <laughs> <laughs> I can still listen to that album and be actually pretty proud of it. Right? Yeah, I mean, that was the height of of that of our I think all of our musicianship, and the only thing about that one is. Todd, like I, laziest lyrics of all time. <laughs> I feel really bad because that was one of the few songs that was uh, that me and Nancy wrote. Like I usually wrote with Colin, and Nancy wrote that one. He came up with the riff. I wrote the words in quotations. <laughs> I didn't write words. That song like yeah, baby, oh baby. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write too many songs words. in that era. I was too busy filling. Todd was one of Todd was like I feel like one of the few that made the transition from because it was played like at a Nick Payne practice I feel like, but he never played yeah. alive and then it became our opener for a handful of shows with Max. Pretty sweet. Of course, we'd end with communication breakdown, which is fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's like put the guitar behind us. Like, I mean, he'd do that all the time. I remember he he didn't. What was, what was the first time he did that? I think it was when we played that show out on that stage in Seattle Center. Oh, yeah. I feel like oh, that was the first yeah. time like I can remember. Kids Day Festival, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a cool gig. That was awesome. I love outdoor gigs. Well, except for that bluefish where my guitar went out of tune and then I was hitting the wrong chord <laughs> on one song. Yeah, we, uh, we heard, no, The Lonely Forest. Um, yeah. Opened for us, which is my claim to fame because they're like actually like popular now. Yeah, around Seattle, I hear them on the the end sometimes. So that's so basically we're better than them. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. We played a lot of interesting gigs with Max. Well, just like a lot of teen centers, we did the Bellevue Teen Center. My favorite though is we played the Woodenville <laughs> Teen Center because it was like an all metal show. <laughs> <laughs> It was, a, it was like words of death, and then <laughs> God, scarlet, scarlet letter, letter, yeah. who Scream went, up. who went out of their way 
to post on our MySpace about how bad we were. <laughs> like, about how I only play money beats. <laughs> and, like, and I just remember, like, you guys are kind of like assholes, man. <laughs> and then I remember the guy was like, well, we, we have, like, label interest or whatever. And I'm like, wh- wh- who are, like, why do I care? Or like, <laughs> and I remember telling, I remember telling our friend, or not really our friend, but our, you know, the resident uh, L-Dub metalhead, Nick Irwin, who was, like, metalhead, but he was, like, a cool metalhead. Like, he was into, like, Iron Maiden and stuff. And he was, like, the most metal person, like, I'd ever met. Yeah. And I remember in the hallway one time, in between classes, I was like, Nick, we, we got this this band, Scarlet Letter, who's, you know, who's, like, saying all this shit. She's like, dude, we got to find them and, like, kick their ass. <laughs> <laughs> he was, like, all, he was, like, he was pissed. I think he liked us a little bit. I don't think he ever saw us, but yeah. but he'd heard our stuff, and he, he like, he appreciated us. Mm-hmm. But he was, it was, I just remember being, like, thinking that was so funny. What I love about the Scarlet Letter, like, MySpace comment is, like, you guys suck. But if you want to see a real band, come to our show. It's like, <laughs> you suck, but come see us. It's like, oh, no, why do I want to see <laughs> We did play with them. They took my guitar. They, so I had to, like, call their dad because I accidentally, like, took the wrong one. So I almost went on with one of their guitars. And I'm like, I just... I remember the so first they had left before is, we is even... like tuned down really low and like oh yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to no you that. almost played with one of Lords of Death's guitar right okay yeah, that, yeah. maybe it was because those cause scholars, I mean what's funny is those guys are so not intimidating and not cool in like yeah. real life like totally just like lame teenagers yeah I remember Lords of Death was like a re- they were nice guys they were heavy as shit yeah. <laughs> I think I still have their song on my iTunes there's like these 10 second pauses that are like not in rhythm but it's like <laughs> and then it like stops and like you don't know when it's coming back and then it's like <laughs> I think it's called Hellevator I believe is the name of the song it was around this time that Max integrated jokes in between our songs like that duck one. A duck walks into a bar and has him like put it on his bill. <laughs> no like laughs. No, no laughs. <laughs> yeah, really yeah and he did that during the Scarlet Letter show, which I feel like there was already like a bad vibe in the air. <laughs> we had a, we had a few fans there. I remember we did. The dunk but, came. Dunk came. That was that was the budding of me and the dunks relationship i remember because i remember i was i was uh this, this girl felicia in high school i dated for like about a week <laughs> and she was she was about me and then uh then i guess a week later she wasn't about me <laughs> but but i just remember like she i i knew her through nick and she knew me through nick and and but me and Nick weren't really friends. Like we were f- friends in band and everything. But like, w- like I thought he was friends with her, and she thought you know he, I, he was friends with me. So that kind of brought me and Nick together. Even though like me and Nick weren't really friends at all, and me and she and Nick weren't really <laughs> friends at all. <laughs> so I think it was confusing thing ever. Yeah, it, it was. But so anyways, the dunk came. Yeah, basically, me and the dunk were best friends. It was awesome. That, that's how our friendship started. 
That's a beautiful yeah. thing. Playing sweet shows with Max. Max joined us for a bluefish, I guess. We played it yeah. twice. It was a Kirkland festival. We played on the car toys stage. <laughs> yeah. At the 4th of Beach. July. On the 4th of July. Cool. We, I remember the opening act was like the verb. And it was really weird because they were an instrumental surf band. You're like, they're seriously teenagers who are like, that's what they're in. That's like they're into. Like, I kind of respect that, but it's like <laughs> so weird too. Yeah. We're an instrumental surf band. Like, I, don't know. I guess it was appropriate for the beach because it was on the beach. That was, I remember getting that gig because I was like, the the guy that like the head administrator for the teen center um approached me after one of our shows and he was like <laughs> you know <laughs> i can't remember the exact phrasing but he's like what does defenestrator mean <laughs> and he was like and i was like uh, it means to throw out of a window and he's like you're full of shit <laughs> <laughs> should have told him it means to take virginity by force that's what he told me that, that's how i that's how yeah, that, that's came, that out. came from yeah because he was he was like we got some complaints because the teen center was like connected to the senior center and i guess some <laughs> old ladies were touring and they saw our name on a flyer and they complained because they thought that's what it meant but See, i thought that happened earlier the take virginity by force so i didn't know that no, that's no. when that happened that's when point. that happened yeah and then he was like oh by the way you want to play this car toys show at Juanita Beach. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Wasn't there like sweet. a guy after that show who like gave you a card or something? Yeah, yeah. This guy came up to me and he, he was like all about us and he's like, I have a record label. We're n- not interested in you. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he tight with Bill Wyman or something? Uh, Bill Wyman, the bass player for the Stones. Maybe. I don't remember that part. So I remember he gave you like this CD that was a bunch of outtakes that the Stones recorded oh, around yeah. the time of like Sticky Fingers and uh, like Exile Main Street, like early 70s Stones outtakes, which I, I don't know if those are even like widely available, but <laughs> I got them on my computer. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm glad you. Yeah. I'm glad you appreciated that because I probably didn't. You probably yeah. lost it. <laughs> I remember you gave it to me. I was like, "Is that cool. Is that the closest we ever got to label interest?" Yeah, pretty much. And I was always like, "Why don't you just sign us?" <laughs> but I think his his label was like World Music or something. I mean, it what was, the hell was he doing there? Well, he's probably just walking around. I don't think he was, he's not like a, he wasn't like looking for bands. He was probably just hanging out on a Saturday at the beach or something. <laughs> but I remember he like, he, he like showed me how to put together a press kit and do all this stuff, which I never did. Cause I was just pissed at him. I'm like, oh, why don't you, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how many more shows did we play with Max after this? After the car toys gig, I don't remember a ton. We might have played another teen center gig. Yeah, I remember there was one teen center where, or teen center gig where Max was also playing a show that night with the privacy effect. It was the same so we, show. No, no. Oh, wasn't. He was playing it somewhere else. <laughs> so we had to like wait for him to drive over to the teen center. Oh. I remember there was a certain point where we were like waiting for him and everyone was like waiting around for the defenders to take the stage because we were the last band. 
And I think at a certain point, me and Nancy just got up and started playing like this is like funk jam, like just me and him. <laughs> I you're the John Elway mass transit system. Yeah, John came up with a name on the spot. That was it. The John Elway. <laughs> That's good improvising. Mm. And then he came on, and we just rocked that shit. And I just remember, like, after we had finished the gig, Max was like, he's like, talking to, like, the engineer or something. He's like, do you realize how much we fucking rocked that shit? <laughs> do you realize what you just saw? So he was still into the band very I mean, He much. was never not into the band. I yeah, mean, I don't think he was. Even as Dr. Brockman. Yeah, yeah. But I think... I, and I remember playing a show with the Primacy Effect, right? And I remember that was, like, the most people we'd ever played for, like, in the teen center. Like, the, like pretty much the entire ICS population was there. Yeah, it seemed like it. And we rocked that shit. And that was the first time I saw the, teen, the Primacy Effect. And I could tell that, I mean, this is the band where they were a little poppier than us at that time, and... And I mean, Max was swooning the ladies with this band. You know, I could—he was the front man, he was the star, and and as much fun as he had with us, in a serious way, not in a joke way, you know. But we were more fun, and that was more like serious to him, I think. And and I just remember seeing them, and and they totally sucked. <laughs> as far as I was concerned, they, they were that bad. No, they, I mean they were they were a good pop punk whatever kind of you know poppy band. Yeah. I, I just remember like this is this is bullshit. They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I just remember thinking like that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. Realizing like this, th I could tell like he was he enjoyed that in a more serious way, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I remember the final straw. Or one of the final straws was we were playing the end of the did that have a name the end of the year thing at, at our school at L-Dub Kangapalooza Kangapalooza yeah Bullshit. we were, we were going to play that we got asked to play it and and I so I asked Max and his dad got super pissed because it was during school hours and I just asked him I knew it there was a 50-50 chance you know you're probably not going to be able to do it or whatever, you know. It wasn't that big a deal, but I thought I'd ask. And his dad was just super mad, and he calls me. And he goes, this is Dr. Michael Brockman. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you cannot be scheduling performances during school hours. And I was like, "I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, like, I didn't schedule it. I was just feeling, you know, seeing if it was possible, you know. It's towards the end of the year or whatever, I guess... You know, ICS takes school a little more seriously than we did, and <sighs> so I mean, and then then I feel like you know, not not long after that was when his dad made him decide that he could only be in one band and had to decide which one it was. And I mean, it was a little while after that. Yeah, but I felt like that there was, was that whole summer, and then there was that fall where we we played a few gigs. Yeah, summer's easier though. You know what I mean? Yeah. And somewhere along the line, we got mixed up in this, uh, this, like, band tournament. I don't know what the fuck you would call it. Uh, like a, it's basically like a scam band scam. Yeah, that's, that's probably the right word for it. We had to, like, it. pay a bunch of money to, like, enter it. Yeah, I remember we had to drive to Seattle for some reason to 
sign up for it. Like you, me, and Max drove. I don't think John was there for some reason. Yeah, that was pretty but, uh, <laughs> Driving with Max in his Mercedes that takes like 20 minutes to to get to 60 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We drove to West Seattle. That was like, I remember like, like are we in a different country? Like, where <laughs> are we? <laughs> and uh, so we signed up for that. And then at a certain point, it was probably in the fall, probably late fall of that year, that Max, I think, decided that he was going to leave the band. And it sounded like it was kind of his dad's yeah. doing. He basically had this ultimatum with Max where he could only be in one band because he wasn't paying enough attention to his schoolwork. So he chose the primacy effect over us. And so we had that, I guess, sort of farewell gig. It was right before Christmas. Oh, wait, where, where, where was that gig? That was at the lab. Oh, okay. That was with uh, with Gerald, right? Yeah. With Tackett's band. Okay. So so the, the, that wasn't the competition one. No, but yeah. we had already signed up yeah. for it yeah. uh, before Max had decided to to quit. So that brings us into perhaps the strangest time in our band's history. We brought Nick Payne back into the band basically uh, just to play this gig. This yeah, pretty much. This rip-off tournament thing. <laughs> Which we, we didn't have a guitarist, so we thought, well, Nick Payne maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it was more like we need a solution for this this problem, not yeah, we need a new guitar player. I think you're, that's probably right. Cause <laughs> and I think that's how I sold it to Nick. Like, oh, we just, you know, we're in a tough spot. We need we need someone to play this gig. And he, I, I think he missed playing shows or whatever. You know, oh, yeah, not a commitment. I can do one show, you know. And so we had that practice where, where Max was there. Because I think Max felt bad about it, you know. Yeah, it wasn't a bad breakup at all, and so Max came and and taught Nick all the songs, and God, that's why I'm all about Max is just because he's such a good guy, you know. He is, he is. <laughs> but yeah, he, he taught Nick all the songs. Uh, there was also like this blues funk jam that we came up with, Kentucky Fried Blues. Yeah, it was kind of fun to play. Played harmonica on that one. Oh, yeah? It was the first time I played harmonica on stage since Devil and Out the Red. <laughs> <laughs> or on a basketball court or whatever. Yeah, it'd been three years. <laughs> so for that, we went to this bar, the High Dive, which was in Fremont. Uh, <laughs> the weirdo district of Seattle. It's the center of the universe. Yeah. According to the town. <laughs> and he's a 21 and over show. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. So we kind of just had to hang out in Fremont uh, until we got... Uh, they, would, they would let us into the, the bar to play our set. Which went fine. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a ton of people there because we were the first ones there. And that was the kind of thing where it's like you get all your friends to come and support you and yeah. 
basically whoever the crowd likes the most gets to move on to the next round of these band so, competitions. Yeah. So basically, if you get more of your friends to to pay the bar, yeah, and then which then, of course were fucking mm-hmm. seventeen at the time, yeah, <laughs> sixteen or seventeen. So yeah. well, none of our friends yeah, came. Basically, just all our parents were there. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, so that gig went fine. Uh, you know, it was kind of fun playing with Nick. But then I remember, I don't know, I feel like we were open to the idea of trying to make it work again with Nick. Mm-hmm. Because Relationship. Well, yeah. <laughs> give it give it another go. And we I didn't really have any other ideas. Yeah, we, we were kind of, again, <laughs> desperate. So... I remember at that point I had a class in high school with Nick. It was a guitar class. And it was another another case of me like grilling him every day, being like, So you you good to practice this week maybe, huh? You you, you down? <laughs> and he's always making up some lame excuse, like, I don't know, I you know, I gotta go work at QFC. <laughs> this job's really important to me, so I I can't practice that much. And it became obvious that this was just going to be the same fucking <laughs> bullshit that happened the first time with Nick. So at that point, uh, I guess I remember having a conversation with Nancy. We were like, well, I guess we could have Nick Duncan join the band, who was our friend who, I think at that point he was already doing solo gigs as, as kind of like a an acoustic folk type hero. of thing folk hero, hero. yeah, yeah. Wait, so what he, point did i record his his uh was that senior year that i did his record i don't know because this is something you did yeah, I, yeah, but, yeah but yeah come on come on you were i realize that i remember your life much better than you do your <laughs> own which okay <laughs> but yeah i mean nick and and I was always blown away. He's such a good singer. And we did that album, and it was very politically charged, and mm-hmm. he was very rebellious. I think the the name of the record was Reinventing Revolution. <laughs> and and that, that is, you know, I should put that online somewhere because it's a masterpiece. I really <laughs> would like to hear it. It's it's pretty good. And, uh... And, uh... But yeah, I mean, I was pumped. The only thing was, he wasn't. He was a, he was a good songwriter and, and singer. Not that he ever wrote any songs for us, but uh, he wasn't that much of a guitarist, you know. And so, we didn't really have a lead guitarist again. So I guess, I mean, do you guys remember the the conversation that led to the horns? Do you, or do you want us to tell you? Well, I don't remember. I just, <laughs> oh, I, I just remember. <laughs> Well, I remember generally that I I wanted to do something different that would that would put us apart some more. You know what I mean? And uh, and and I just remember like that was just an idea. Yeah, and I remember there there was a practice where we started jamming on that one song that you recorded with Nick a a, a while ago. It was kind of a one-off thing. What was the name of that song? The Majestic? The Majestic, yeah. I love the Majestic. 
So we brought in these guys that you had known from from high school band who uh, played, I think we had two trumpet players and a trombonist. So did we, yeah. so I had, I had recorded the Majestic previously? Yeah. yeah just you playing trumpets. Okay. And then Nick sung on it, I think. And yeah, that was a cool song. And so we just kind of jammed to that song and we're like, well, this is kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. So then we started just uh, practicing with, with those, uh, those brass guys. Who are the constants? There's uh, Ray Horton on trombone, Drew Mesner on trumpet, and then our other trumpet always went back and forth. Well, the the ideal lineup was having Mitch McElroy and, and John Kupu, who are the the two best trumpet players in at L Dub. You know, I mean, they were they were an obvious one two. You know what I mean? And after that, it, you know, it really fell off the table. <laughs> I mean, Drew Drew Mesner was a solid. Player, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't nearly as good as the other two. He's a think, solid dude. He always, yeah, that's he's the definition of solid dude. I could. You should tell him that on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be doing that shortly. <laughs> but um, but so I remember it was very rare that we uh, that we had all three. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, Ray Horton was, thing. you know, Ray Horton was our trombone player. He was always there, and he, you know, he's like, you know, he got a full ride to Indiana to play trombone. Like that's how good he was. He was very good, you know. I mean, he everything he lacked in personality, he focused in on trombone. Yeah, talk about Buzz Killington. <laughs> <laughs> he was most definitely not a solid dude. He's a solid musician. I mean, he's more than a solid musician. It's, too, it's just too bad that he, you know. I just remember, like, I could never have a conversation with him as hard as I tried. He was, he had zero self-confidence. And I remember he was a big uh, Indianapolis Colts fan. And so when we heard that he was going to Indiana, I was like, oh, that's cool, Ray. Like, you're going to be able to, like, watch the games on TV and, like, maybe go to a game. And he's like, well, school's really far away from Indianapolis, so probably not gonna be able to go. You know, they <laughs> <laughs> find the worst spin to put on everything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, like we would hang out with him at lunch and play football and do all this stuff, and and you know we'd hang out with him at band trips and stuff. And he was mm. always like, oh, "I don't have any friends." I was like, "Ray, like we talk to you all the time. We're like, we're your friends." No, you don't have my friends. God, what a downer. Unlike Mitch McElroy, who was total bro. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of about that. He was like really excited to be in the band. Yeah, well, I think it was exciting for those kind of guys because I mean, they didn't play instruments where you could be in a cool band. You know, you know they were just in band in school, so it was cool to be like in a rock band. Sweet. Do you, I I recall there was always a little bit of skepticism with the horns from from I guess especially John's point of view. Well, I feel like I had to change the kind of songs I wrote. Like, I didn't know what kind of band we were. Yeah, just, and I there's think like that's, all these people now. It was like super overwhelming. Like, that's kind of the problem with that era is we weren't sure what kind of band we wanted to be. 
I think Nancy wanted us to be a ska band, but back then I had no idea what that was. I don't, I don't think I wanted, like, I was influenced by some ska bands. Yeah. But I didn't really want to be like, you know, ching, 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 you know. We were like Chicago. Yeah. And that was interesting. John was still writing, like, classic rock songs, sort of in the vein of the defenestrators of old, but I mean, it worked. It was kind of cool. Well, our, my favorite song, well, I, I love the Majestic Bone, another one of my favorite songs, we used to play She's Like a Curse, which is a song where me and Nick both sang on the verse, and it was like Santana or something. It was just <laughs> epic. It was like kind of Latin-y. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was kind and of John Kubu would have like a trumpet solo. I feel like it really came together, yeah. but sometimes it was like, I don't know what I'm doing here, my guy. So, I feel like we didn't have that many songs during that. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> I mean, it was. There were songs where they wouldn't play. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, yeah. right, you guys sit over there. I mean, for me, it was a lot of work because I had to write all their parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember we, we were playing at a at a festival in at Central in Ellensburg, and we had a show that night, so we had to leave the festival early and drive all the way back. And play the show, and I'm in the car, <laughs> writing horn arrangements. I think that was our last show in that little room. I'm in the car writing horn arrangements for them, and like being like, "All right, look at this. Like, practice it in your head." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember they didn't, didn't really. I mean, and so they're like holding it out in front of them. Like, Jungkook was holding it out, playing trumpet with one hand, holding the piece of paper out in front of all three of them. You know what's so weird is that we didn't play any covers during that. That would have been so easy. Just oh, we'll just listen to this and go find the music for this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we cool. didn't do, like we could have played twenty five second floor or something or whatever. <laughs> I just remember like we played twenty five to six for twenty five or six four whatever it's called in, in like pep band and I remember like Chicago sucks like Chicago's so lame. I don't want to be like Chicago. <laughs> How many other teenage bands did you see like that at that time? One. Um, I never actually saw them, but uh, the you know the Defenestrator's best friend uh, Joey. That was his name, right? Joey Fatone. Joey Fatone, yeah, Joey Fatone. <laughs> but uh, he played guitar in that band, right? What was that band called? Swindle. Swindle. But he oh, was a. <laughs> but he was a he was a trombone player in, in for Inglemore. But I don't I'd always see him at band functions. We'd see each other in the hallway, and he'd go, "Oh, the Finistrator!" <laughs> I always thought he was so cool. So I messaged him on MySpace, like saying, "Hey, like you want to play trombone in 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 our band?" And he. Uh, he said, no, I'm playing trombone in a different band. <laughs> they were like a total ska band. Yeah, I feel like there were definitely moments in our history where we were like, hey, maybe we can get that Joey from Swindle guy in the Defenestrator. Yeah. Like you know, we were in like, the middle of one of our, <laughs> our phases where one of our guitarists quit. Yeah. But Just because he was such a good happen. friend of the band. Yeah. <laughs> Defenestrators. Just, yeah. 
But uh, do you guys remember, was there a point where we decided to just kind of go on hiatus? Because I feel like that happened. I mean, we played that, that one gig at the teen center with Natalie Portman's shaved head. And then I, th- I think that was our last gig. That was in uh, January, I believe. Because of the- January of senior year, I guess? Yeah. Oh, seven. Yeah. Okay. And so at that point, you know, we're... We were at that point in our lives where it's like, oh, we got to start thinking about a life beyond high school. Yeah. Maybe maybe we should put this band thing on hold for a while. I mean, I was concentrating on uh, trying to graduate high school. <laughs> not not. Fa- I think my whole. S- I mean, the only thing that was riding on it was me getting a D in math. <laughs> gotta get that D. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my my dad thanking Mr. Gehring at graduation for passing me, and and Mr. Gehring was like, "Oh well, he got that. D. You know, he did it by himself. He got the D." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we so, so that was a hiatus, and I I I, I was kind of burnt out. The horn part, I mean, as much as I loved it, that took a lot out of me, it's, and mm-hmm. especially like. Uh, I don't know, I kind of felt a lot of pressure in in high school of like getting all the gigs and and uh, trying to do all that stuff and make everyone happy and I remember John yeah. John was just like really pissed at me cuz like he was not about the horns. <laughs> 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 at least that's how I felt. I always felt like, oh man, I'm pissing John off. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I was I I preferred being a regular band, but yeah. I guess we didn't have any options. Yeah. And I remember like like senior year i was like well we're gonna keep it going and i was like well let's not be a brass band and keep it going and you're like i don't want to be just like any other band i want to be something different yeah. i mean I, that's, we couldn't do that yeah. we couldn't you know that's why i really like the horns is because they they put they separated us you know and so I, I, many I, fucking I, people yeah <laughs> i mean at that time i had fantasies of of like going to college in portland and starting like a sweet ska band and writing all this music and being a music major and all that stuff. So that, I was trying to live my fantasy before it didn't come true. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, so then then it was hiatus. And, and when did we start production on, on Backbeat? I feel like it was that summer after we graduated. Yeah. There's some tension in the band at that point. <laughs> was there? Yeah, you weren't like. Oh yeah, because some yeah, of those w- sessions were just me and Nancy because you were always at work. <laughs> we always recorded yeah. when you were at work. <laughs> so you were like, eh, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing it since you guys are doing so much of it. Yeah, I, I I don't know. For some reason, my head just wasn't in it. I just <laughs> I wasn't feeling those sessions for some reason. And we see back because I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like, I mean, this was happening more and more as the band went on, where you would be contributing way more to the songwriting, and you, I mean, you're you're much better at, at consistently writing songs than me. For me, it's usually a very slow process putting some songs together, and that was kind of the case with this album, where you had a bunch of songs. And I didn't have very many, and uh, maybe that's why I, I wasn't that into it, because creatively I just wasn't feeling like I was adding much. 
But I mean, all your songs were good. Uh, I, I like that album. Yeah, I like that too. I, I always felt like I wrote two songs. Colin wrote two songs. What's the big deal? <laughs> but, yeah. but I guess looking back, like you, you know, you wrote or were more a part of the writing process previously to that, and I really wasn't. You have to remember how the band started out. Colin would write the songs, and I'd just write the words for most of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Things had changed. <laughs> and that's when things took a turn in our behind the music. Yeah. And so we uh, we tracked the drums in my... I mean, that was when I really got into music recording. And well, I guess I got into, into it earlier that year, but I bought that you know giant mixer and... And Tackett was giving me all these lessons on how to do stuff, and and I, re- I just remember feeling so legit, like recording sixteen tracks at the same time. Like that was so awesome. Freaking had vibraphone or whatever on yeah. the album. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was, that. Was, so so, how much did we get done before I, I left for college? Oh, pretty good chunk. Yeah, I mean we we had definitely laid all the drum tracks down. Probably a lot of the bass too, mm-hmm. and then you would come back, and you, John, would uh, you know, you do guitar overdubs. You even did quite a bit of keyboard and piano stuff on that album. There was also a lot of harmonies and backup vocals, which uh, I don't know, <laughs> wasn't really my thing. I don't know. I always like more rock and upbeat stuff. That's why I loved the Max era so much. Yeah. This was a much more polished sound, I guess. Yeah, and I, I mean, was this felt a more, a much more like yours and John's sort of project. You guys were definitely working in sync with each other. It yeah. seemed like I was all about this harmony. I mean, I was just like, for someone that can't really sing that well, <laughs> I was just all about like you know, you know, practicing it and polishing it and, and figuring out what the harmonies were and nailing them and. Double tracking them, and you know, I was learning so much about recording at the time, and, and I was just, I was all about it. My favorite vocal performance on that album is still the backup vocals in High Noon, that song yeah, that ends oh, the album. That, it's so cool, like that cowboy song. <laughs> that was that's probably my proudest moment as a like producer or engineer. Like, it sounds like 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I think I cut the inspiration for that in, in a Dr. Dog song. Or at least I think I did. Yeah. But I remember yeah. he would, Yeah, there's... At the last song of one of their albums, or close to the last song, they do that kind of thing where it sounds like they're just in a room. And it's not... It doesn't sound like that many people. But it... It was just a cool, like... A cool, like, people... Sounded like they were sitting around a fire just singing with each other, you know? And and we got who was all in it? I think were you even there, Colin? When we no, I was there. there. I wasn't there. <laughs> I played bass on that song. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, that was weird. John played I, bass. I played guitar. But we, uh, I, I just remember we we got it was Nick, Maddie, Tim, Tim, and me, I guess, and Colin. Did you did you sing the? I don't think. Didn't I didn't sing, sing back of yeah. it I just kind of watched you guys do it. And and I remember we recorded two, four times. And two of them were a harmony and two of them were not. 
I feel like our styles didn't gel as well as they did yeah. on Backbeat. There's like a lot of different stuff going on, which is cool, but like it doesn't work together. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember being so like like I kind of wrote half songs and I wasn't I was trying to concentrate way more on like recording it. And so like I remember like at the end of whatever that Violet Ray machine. Violet Ray machine. <laughs> I remember when we were recording the bass or whatever or the drums and I was I didn't even have the lyrics and I was just like, oh, "Okay, whatever. Yeah, this is good enough. Like let's move on to something else, you know." Yeah. I remember there's, like, mistakes, too, about that. <laughs> You're like, eh. <laughs> like, I didn't have an ending for it, and I was just like, oh, well, you know, whatever. We'll move. Let's go figure it out later. And when we got it got to later, I, there wasn't much I could do to fix it. <laughs> and another thing I'm kind of not about is is uh, the last... What's the last song on that? Um, Lose My Way. Lose My Way. Like, I love the song, the piano... Is that yeah, because that's again, that's not my grandma's beautiful grand piano. That's my shitty piano upstairs, which I found out later is like a quarter of a step flat. (laughs) (laughs) Like you know, all of a sudden I I, we recorded it and I didn't really notice it, and then I started to mix it and I was like, man, this sounds awful. (laughs) So like I I was able to to pitch bend it or do something in there chop that shit up so it sounded passable but i mean the piano itself just didn't and that messes up with the timing as well so i think it gets a little bit ahead by the end of the song and yeah yeah it's, it's a shame there's some cool songs on the album though take in vain kind of rocks Vain's cool coming around i like because it's very different it's very more alternative yeah i'm all about uh Ramona, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's another one of the songs that I ripped off, though. What do you Not mean? knowingly. There's like another song that sounds exactly like it. <laughs> um, Northern Lights is one of my favorites, actually. I just played it acoustically for like a studio class recently for someone's project. That was I'm cool all, because we... I mean, at that point, me and John weren't really writing songs together. We were kind of just writing our own stuff on our own, but that was one where I'd come up with that little guitar part and all the chords and the chorus and everything. And I don't know how it happened that John was like, "Well, I guess I'll I could write lyrics for it." And I'm really glad you did because the melody and everything you came up with was way better than what what I had planned. For the most part, I'm not embarrassed of those lyrics either. I think they're they're fine. Like, I if I'm comfortable singing them now, like, that's good. <laughs> they sound very pretty good. And yeah, there's Max Rock and stuff. It's pretty short. I feel like it's like 34 minutes. Is it the end? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that the finishes will ever really end because it would require us not to be friends. <laughs> yeah. Because it's basically like you can't break it up because it, you have to break up the friendship. Because, yeah, who knows? Five, ten years, whatever. Maybe we'll like, hey, let's somehow record an album. Who knows? I'm really in the mood right now. <laughs> <laughs> Send you some garage band files. Now, usually we make a top ten list. Do we want to try to order these? Uh, how about everyone just picks their favorite? Okay. 
<clears throat> Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the list. So many good things. Uh, personally, I probably like Backbeat. It's tough because I also really like the whole Live at the Lab experience yeah. album. But I'd probably go Backbeat myself. Back, it's it's such a... It, I always felt so weird like, oh, now we're just a studio band. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the Beatles. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt about it. Like, It was weird to transition into that. Like, Like we gave up on trying to find a lead guitarist. And I remember... I felt like we had one practice where, like, I was going to teach Nick how to play the keyboard parts, you know? And do, do you guys remember that? Yeah. No. And then John was going to do lead, and, and we were going to try to do harmonies live, which probably wouldn't have worked out very well. <sighs> what about you, Colin? What's your favorite? Oh, my favorite is Live at the Lab, yeah. if I had to go with anything. I even have fairly distinct memories of that show. I feel like we had a pretty pretty wild night, <laughs> <laughs> you know, by our standards. Remember, we went to Dick's right before the show, oh. and we ate, like, a ton, and we were, like, super stuffed, and we were, like, feeling kind of sick by the time we got on the stage, and, like, these hot lights were shining down at us, we were, like, kind of sweaty, like, <laughs> gross, and, like, just not in the mood, but somehow we pulled it together and just hmm. rocked that shit. And we played with uh, a couple sweet bands, Malarkey. Malarkey, they were, like, this <laughs> just straight-up punk band. Yeah, but they were, I mean... <laughs> Like, they were legit punks. Like, they were on heroin or something. <laughs> and, Wasn't their lead singer, like, insane? Yeah, he's pretty crazy. We, like, walked across the street to, like, a... It was, like, a Safeway or something. And there were, like, watermelons, like, displayed outside. And he's like, well, these are outside. These are, like, free, right? And he, like, smashed <laughs> a bunch of them. <laughs> and we... Oh, and Gefilte Official, which was, like, a Jewish... Uh, rock rap slap uh, they had horns right i don't remember they had like that. a trombone and like a violin oh yeah they were like jewish and they they would rap i don't remember the rap i thought that was the show where it was also like all girl band teenage sensation well there's definitely one of those yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there were, were channel band were there quite a few people there it's a good amount of people yeah. and some of our friends I think Gavin was there. Nice. I think he brought like a van full of people there. Sweet. Because he was like one of our few friends that had a owned car. A car <laughs> yeah. At that point. Yeah. But yeah. I, it, was always, was, it was always. It was always the funnest time of the band for me. Uh, yeah. There's always just a lot of high energy every gig we played, and I just tried to. Yeah, it's just kind of the style of music that I really like. That kind of. <laughs> just really gritty sort of almost punk sort of thing is just so fast and yeah. yeah i just i just really like that time i just remember trying to be as crazy as possible <laughs> like jumping out of my God, and i had such a gigantic drum set back then yeah it was awesome. <laughs> i remember like early in the like when i was in i was you know i don't know if you guys know this but i was briefly in daff like jack 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I remember getting pretty much kicked out because my drum set was too big. <laughs> <laughs> and they like, and I, we, we'd practice at Peter Olin's house. And I, I was using his drum set. It was only like a four piece. Like I had two toms or something. And Kristen's like, can you like get rid of your high tom? Like just have a floor tom? I'm like, why do you care? Like, <laughs> like pl- play more cymbals. Like, we were trying to be the Blood Brothers or something. And, and uh, yeah, so then they phased me out of that. I was always super jealous of them because once they stopped being a joke screamo band, they were actually pretty good. Is that your favorite memory? No. <laughs> um, sorry, I got such. I, I just, I'm just procrastinating because it's so hard. Don't know what you got till it's gone. Don't know what you got till it's gone. I, I, I think, I think I'm gonna agree. Live at the lab is my favorite moment. But, but backbeat's like my favorite accomplishment. <laughs> if that makes sense. I get it. Yeah. 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 All right then. Mm-hmm. There you have it. Us rambling about our youth with such passion. For what felt like a really long time. God, it went by like too quickly for me. I could yeah. do this for another three hours. <laughs> well, you know, stay tuned for part two next time Sean gets malaria. <laughs> 20 years. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. They have like a website. It's some bullshit. Wildlyplease.com. <laughs> uh, you know, check us out. We got some of our music up there. We got two Defenestrators albums. Our most recent ones are available on Wildlyplease.com. So. I'm about to put live at the lab up there. Yeah. People need to people people need to listen to that. Stay tuned for that, and we'll see you sometime in the not too distant future. I'll never understand how these people can live in this land.